Well, New Life, it's good to be back with y'all this morning. Um, I'm always encouraged by just being able to worship with you guys. I love, um, y'all have made my wife and I and my son feel incredibly welcomed, um, just as the new guy around town, um, and I want to thank y'all for that. Um, and kind of two things that I want to mention before we get started uh, this morning. One, um, there is a prayer quilt out in the lobby, um, and, and our quilt ministry has, the ladies of our quilt ministry taken. A person that I don't know the specific need of the person that's there, but if you would, on your way out, stop by, um, say a prayer, and then they have uh, little cords, and, I've, and it's been cool. And uh, as I've walked by it this week, I've, I've, <laughs> and this is funny because I don't recall the name, but I, I would stop and pray for the person and tie the knot. So if you say a prayer, tie the knot, um, it's right there. Uh, great ministry that we have within our church, but also speaking of prayer as well. Continue. Um, uh, Scott and Meredith are kind of taking some time away, be in prayer for them, uh, for their safety as they are uh, spending some time away, some much needed time away and some much well-deserved time away. Um, if y'all know Scott, he is a very, very uh, busy guy and he is on the go 24-7. So um, to say, hey, put your phone down and rest is a big thing for Scott, but um, be praying for Scott and Meredith as they are having some much needed and much deserved time away as they... Um, uh, do that. But this morning we're going to kind of continue our conversation in the spiritual gifts. And I know that um, as we talk about it, um, we've been, Scott's been in chapter 12 a lot talking about the specific spiritual gifts. Um, and, and what was funny is he come to me a couple weeks back, uh, even after I taught on the fruit of the Spirit, before we started our study of spiritual gifts, and he said, hey, are you available May 22nd to speak to the church. And I said, absolutely, I'll do it. And I said, well, just let me know what you want me to speak on, where you're going to be at in scripture. And so about a day later, he sends me a text. He says, I'm going to be in 1 Corinthians 13. And I said, funny, uh, because one of the first gifts of the spirit, uh, one of the fruits of the spirit, excuse me, is love. Now, one of the cool things, and, and, and I want to have, kind of confess to you guys a little bit about something is that we are going to be in 1 Corinthians 13. So if you have your apps or your Bible or whatever, just kind of go ahead and start flipping there. But a lot of times, immediately, I just, just take a, let's take a poll real quick. When I said 1 Corinthians 13, how many of y'all in your head just went, oh, the love chapter? How many? Raise your hand. It's okay. Raise your hand. So, so yes, yes, this chapter is about love, but... <laughs> Um, I am going to confess, too, that I have used it in this frame, too. Uh, but if we look at it in the context, it's not about the love that we so talk about, putting it in for our weddings and all that, and I'm guilty. I, I referenced that in my vows to McKenna, which, yes, it does give us a standard of love, and, and, and I don't want to kind of go ahead of myself, but verses 4 through 7 do give us a standard of love, and that standard of love has only been seen perfect in one person, that's Jesus Christ. So we have that standard of love, and yes, it is about love, but there's much more to the story than just love. And so in, under, in order to understand the content text, we, uh, well, the context helps us understand the content. And see, Paul is talking about spiritual gifts in, in chapter 12, and Paul, Paul is talking about spiritual gifts. He continues his, his breaking down of the spiritual gifts in chapter 14. But in chapter 13, Paul kind of takes a time out to remind us of the most important thing. 
Okay, and, and, and it is love. And I want, to put, I want to put it to you kind of like this. And, and see, he's reminding us, the believers, that, that this love, this godly love, which is the word right there that is used is agapo. It is a, a, a conjugation of that verb, agapo, which is a godly love, agape. And, and he's reminding us that the love is what makes the gift work. Love, godly love, the love produced in us by the Holy Spirit through a fruit, uh, as a fruit of the Spirit, is what makes love or the gift work. Case in point, and I want to thank my son. I have a just a little over a one-year-old son, and he has given me several references or illustrations um, for kind of as I process and think about it. Um, and this is being the biggest one right here. Um, this is one of his favorite books. It's called The Calming Music Book. Okay? And it's funny because he will find this book no matter what time of day it is. If it's in the morning after his bottle or whatever, he'll go over to his little book basket that, he, that we have in our living room. And he will get this book. And he, with both hands, he'll walk to me or walk to McKenna and like slam it down on her lap like, hey, I want you to read this book. Well, it's one of these, if anybody knows this book or has seen this book, it's one of those touch uh, sensor books that plays music as you flip through the pages, okay? Um, well, the thing about toys like this is that he loves to, he, once he figured out how to press the button and realized that it was different songs on each page, he was pressing the button a lot, and he would, he would just get in our lap and press the button 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 to the point to where um, I, don't, I don't know if there's a microphone. I, I don't know if this will pick up in my microphone, but to the point to where well, I don't know where the speaker is on this thing, but this is what it sounds like. Well, maybe if I go to another one, let's see here. Oh, wait, does this help? Yeah, yeah, see, hold on, maybe, maybe another page will work. Oh, right here. Y'all hear it? No, wait, hold on. Okay, this is the mouse. This is one of his favorite ones. No, okay. He's played it so much that the batteries wore out. <laughs> okay, that's, that's the thing. And... So I had to go on a quest because these are these those small little batteries, you know, the ones that you just can't go to Ingalls or Walmart or wherever and find. Um, and I haven't been able to find them yet. Um, I even ordered the wrong ones on Amazon thinking that, oh, I've got this. And so I have this slew, like this sheet of batteries that I don't need. So I'm going to be uh, sending those back to Amazon. But see, here's the thing. Without good batteries in this book... It doesn't achieve its purpose in which it was intended to. That sounded kind of creepy, didn't it? it doesn't, the book doesn't achieve what it's supposed to achieve. The batteries are what is needed to make the book run. It's just like a toy, just like a car. It, the car is of no use unless you drive a straight drive car and you know how to pop the clutch. Um, holler out to the uh, old school people in this place if you know how to pop a clutch to get a car going. Um, but the battery is what makes this toy go or this book go. 
And, and see, it was, it was funny because God used that to kind of connect in my brain as I was kind of putting things together about this. The battery of love, like love, agapo love, godly love, the battery of agape love or agapo love is what makes the gift that God gives us, the spiritual gifts that God gives us work. And so when we go back to the, the gifts that, that God gives us, what's the purpose of those gifts? The purpose of those gifts are to edify the church and to encourage believers and to glorify God. So we got, we got edify the church, encourage believers, which kind of can be the same thing if you look at it, and then glorify God. But what was going on in the Corinthian church here is they weren't leading with love. They weren't leaning on that agapo, agape love, that godly love. And Paul saw this. And so 1 Corinthians 13, the irony behind this is because we have used this chapter in so many weddings. And it's been a beautiful piece of scripture to talk about love. But the irony behind the whole thing was Paul was writing to the Corinthians to rebuke them with this passage of scripture. And he was showing them a very, very important point about love see they weren't leading with love and see the example that we have about leading with love is god the most popular verse in the bible john three sixteen. right there we don't have to even go through the whole verse for god so loved god led with love in spite of who we were so if God, and, and that's the principle that Paul's trying to relay to the Corinthians through this chapter. And, and let me just tell you, there is so much good stuff that we could spend a couple of weeks in 1 Corinthians 13. So it's, it's kind of, we're doing kind of a touch and go. But I want you to grab, I want you to grab the power of love. No, not the Huey Lewis and the news power of love. I'm talking about the power of godly love. I, nobody got that. Okay, cool. Um, I appreciate that. In, did any, my old, my 80s people, where y'all at? The power of boom, boom. What movie? Anybody? Anybody? Movie? What movie made it? I heard it. Back to the Future. Which one? Part two. Or was it a theme to the whole thing? Was it? It was a theme. Okay, so I'm wrong. So I'll X myself then. Okay, whatever. My bad. But it was it was a song used in Back to the Future. All right, the power of love. So not the it was is the power of godly love, not the Huey Lewis and the News love. So when we look at this, and here's, here's a quote, and this is a quote by Carl Menninger, a psychiatrist, and he's the founder of the Menninger Clinic, and he says this, the power of love, okay? Love is a medicine for our sick old world. If people learn to give and receive love, they will usually, emphasis on the usually, recover from their physical or mental illness, and Dr. Carl Menninger of the Menninger Clinic was just talking about love. Church, let me say this. If that's just a doctor talking about plain old regular love love, what do y'all think the power of God's love can do, especially among God's people? Let me say that again. What do y'all think that the power of God's love can do, especially among God's people? Marinate on that for a minute. 
Because as we look at 1 Corinthians 13, this is going to be the process. And see, here's, here's the interesting part. And, and yes, I know that chapters and verses were kind of later implemented to help us reference Scripture and to know where to go real quick and get there quick and all this other stuff. But what's interesting is, is to, it's kind of an injustice to teach or talk about 1 Corinthians 13 without backing up and talking about 1 Corinthians 12, 29 through 31. It's like a running start, okay? You know, it's the equivalent of making you get into runner's blocks, and then I've got, you know, the fastest guy in the world coming whizzing by you with a running start. It's an injustice. It's unfair. I want us to grab the whole picture of it because I want you all to understand that this is not me saying this. This is Scripture telling us this. And so when we get this running start and we look at 1 Corinthians 12, 29 through 31, it says this. Are we all apostles? No. Are we all prophets? Not all of us. Are we all teachers? Not all of us. No. Do we all have the power to do miracles? Not all of us. Do we have a gift of healing? No. Wash, rinse, repeat. He goes through it. Do we have all the ability to speak in unknown languages? No. Do we have the ability to interpret unknown languages? No. Of course not. So he says in verse 31, he says this. Verse 31, he says, Then, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. And I'm out of the New Living Translation this morning. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. With, when we look at it in, 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 uh, in the ESV, it says, I will show you a more excellent way. Grab the picture here, y'all. Paul is talking about the gifts. He's addressing the gifts. But he's telling to the Corinthians, hey, these things are good, but there is a better thing that I need you guys to focus on. And remember, this is Paul giving a rebuke, a correction, a, 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 a loving disciplining. Disciplining? Is that a word? Anyway, that's the, the, the framework that we have to approach 1 Corinthians 13 in. Paul's telling us it's a more earnest gift, or for us to desire a more earnest gift, a more helpful gift. And do y'all find it ironic that he goes in and he, he doesn't talk about anything, he, he doesn't talk about any specific gift after this. He talks about love, agapo, the godly love, the godly love demonstrated. 1 Corinthians 1, or 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, excuse me, the ESV says this, if I can speak in tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, and I understand all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith so as to remove, or to remove mountains, but I do not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver my body up to be burned, but I have not loved, Agapo, I have gained nothing. It's hyperbole right here, guys. Paul is saying, okay, he's using a figure of speech, which is an exaggeration to emphasize an effect. He's saying, hey, he's talking about, it doesn't matter if I'm as eloquent as and know all of the languages that men can speak. 
if I know Spanish or if I know German or if I know all of these known languages, it doesn't matter. Hey, I'll take it even a step further. Even if an angelic language. And see, he's making, he's calling out because here's the thing in that time. Along with the rebuke, he's, he's making an illustration to prove a point, but he's also calling out the Corinthians on their sin as well. Because the Corinthians had allowed pagan practices to seep into the church. Because the way that pagans and deities, or the, or the, the people who were not followers of Christ, would worship false gods and deities during that time would be endless babbling clanging of gongs, clanging of cymbals. So I want to show you guys something. And see, I asked Kyle if I could do this. Kyle so kindly hooked me up because I'm a drummer, right? And Kyle, I, I, saw, I saw where you had some cymbal sticks back here. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, are you cool if I use this, Kyle? Where you at, where you at Kyle? Are you okay if I use this? Okay, I'm going to go with it. All right. Um, I'm going to just use this one one thing, and uh, praise the Lord for drum shields, right? Praise the Lord for drum shields. Can I get an amen on that one? Uh, anyway, um, but I'm a drummer. And so immediately when you said clanging gong or cymbal, here I am. I've been a drummer since I was probably nine years old. It's one of my first things that I learned how to do when I was growing up as a kid. I raced BMX bikes and I played drums. That was it. Love drums. Love the way they make me feel. Love the rhythm. Love all of that. I'm going to demonstrate something here, okay? Make sure I got it loosened up so it'll reverb really well. Um, if there's babies, yeah, if there's a, child, a baby in here, go ahead and brace. Because I'm, I'm going to demonstrate something. <laughs> Kyle, if I broke that, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll replace it. But I didn't. How annoying is that? It's okay, y'all can say it's annoying. I won't be offended. I know drums are loud. There's a reason we've got large plexiglass in front of a big drum set. I get it. It's a loud instrument. But this... That clanging is what he's talking about. Is that musical at all? No, who said, thank you. Thank you for the participation. I appreciate that. No, it's not. There is a musical way to play this instrument, though. Yes, it is an instrument. I'll fight you on that. I'll die on that hill. There's, an, there's a musical way to do this. You can swell it. Now, it's still loud. I get that. But he's using clanging cymbal. And, and, and what pagans would do is that that's how they would worship their pagan deities. Now, here's the point that he's making with this passage right here. He's saying that if, I, if I'm able to do all of these things, but I have not loved, I'm a clanging symbol. I'm that noisy annoyance. That was loud. I get it. Except for the first hit. I whiffed on that first hit. I wasn't watching what I was hitting, but... but but it's loud, it's, an, it's annoying. It, it, it. And a lot of y'all, I, I didn't see anybody do it, and I was kind of watching the crowd. 
But when something gets too loud, jet engine, exactly. Did, did you do that? Did you plug your ears? Great illustration, right? When we're not leading with love, people won't listen. When we're not leading our gifts with love, agapo, the godly love, people will not listen. I don't care how loud you say it. I don't care how earnestly you say it. If we're not demonstrating the love of God, not just to, to people, but to each other in this church, we're not going to listen, y'all. That's what Paul's getting at right here. And he's lovingly rebuking, correcting these Corinthians. And he says it, I would, I would have gained nothing. If I'm not leading with love and I'm practicing my gift, whatever that is, Teaching is one of them for me. If I'm not leading with love and showing concern for y'all off of this platform, y'all won't, I haven't earned the right to be heard with y'all. There are neighbors who don't know the Lord that you may be right beside that you have to earn the right to be heard. You may have to help him lay his fire pit, clean up some debris in the yard, help him lay mulch, whatever. Give him strawberry. I, I don't know. To earn that right to be heard, y'all. To each other here in this church. For us to love and use our gifts, whatever that gift may be. We're going to break that down a little bit more next week. Scott's going to lead us in that. But whatever that gift is, Paul is telling us it's going to pale in comparison to loving each other. That is biblical truth, y'all. Now, we have to be careful not to let the world determine or dictate what that love is. Rather, we need to let the Word of God show us what that love is. And sometimes, we, and my, my buddy uses it, says it very eloquently, sometimes my love has to be displayed with a velvet hammer, a pillow hammer. Because sometimes we have to speak that truth, but we have to speak the truth in love as Christ calls us to. Paul simply put in saying with this, regardless of man's eloquence or even a heavenly language from an angel, it's all but a clanging cymbal. Useless noise without love. So he's swinging for the fences on the first three verses right here. He's laying it all out. And he's saying, hey, this is the most important thing for us to focus on. And then we get to verse 4 through 7. This is the verse in which we love, we love to talk about love in. Pun intended, I guess. But it says this, verse 4. Excuse me, my throat's dry. It says, love is patient. What's the opposite of patience? Somebody? Anybody? Impatient. Love is kind. What's the opposite of kindness? Meanness. Right. Love does not envy. What is the opposite of not envying? Envying. There we go. I know. We're like in, in like 201 level stuff here. <clears throat> it's not arrogant or rude. I'll just let that one sit. It does not insist its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. 
It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. John 14, 6 right there. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The truth being Jesus. Love bears all things, believes in all things, or believes all things, hopes in all things, and endures in all things. The New Living Translation puts it like this. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. This was, once again, Paul showing us the standard, as I hinted to and alluded to a while ago. Paul showing us the standard of love. Should we strive for this standard? Absolutely, we should. But if we do it by our own fruition, we will fail every time. This standard was only met, and praise the Lord, it was only met through Christ. He was the one that demonstrated the perfect love to us through his life, death, burial, resurrection. The ministry of Jesus demonstrated the perfection of love right here that mentions in verse 4 through 7. But not all hope is lost. Because if we lead with love, if we lead with love, as God has set that example for us to lead with love, we're leaning on the Holy Spirit. We have to lean on the Holy Spirit. And it goes back to Galatians 5, what I talked about a few weeks back, Galatians 5.22 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is what? First one right there, love. Do you think it's a coincidence that Paul used the same verb right there for that love as he does for the love right here in 1 Corinthians 13? I think not. Paul's trying to drive home a point here in these 13 verses. Guys, we cannot rely on ourselves. Yes, we can present some fabrication of tolerance that may come across in love. But the only way, the only way that we can use the proper batteries that go in the book that allow us to use our spiritual gifts properly is, is that if we're leaning on the Holy Spirit to provide that love in us so that we can use the gifts that God has given us properly to minister, exalt, lift up, encourage the body of Christ, but also glorify God. That's the purpose. See, love encourages and allows the Holy Spirit to use us, to work in us. Romans 12.10 says this, this is a different love verb that he's using, but Paul's still writing it in Romans. It says, love each other with a genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. This love that's used right here is the word in which we get Philadelphia from. Okay? And Philadelphia is the city known as brotherly love. So if we're demonstrating brotherly love, I, here's the thing. I, I don't have a brother. I have an older sister. My sister and I, um, we have a special relationship because by the time I was 28, we had lost both of our parents. And so we realized, hey, 
If we're going to have any sense of family, it's going to be on our shoulders to make that happen. So I really began to understand brotherly love there, but I've also seen brotherly love demonstrated in, in some friends that God has given me. I have a friend that I met within probably weeks of becoming a follower of Christ. His name's Chris. I've mentioned him several times before. Chris has demonstrated that example of brotherly love no matter what I've done in my life to him. He has always been consistent. He has always demonstrated no matter what, I'm here with you. Hey, I'm the guy that will bail you out of jail, but once you get in the car with me, we're going to have a word of prayer and a come to Jesus meeting once I bail you out and see why in the world did you get incarcerated to begin with. That's brotherly love right there. But see what Paul's encouraging us to do in, in Romans 12, 10. He's saying love each other with a genuine affection. Not this fake stuff. And see, here in the South, I'm going to, excuse me just for a minute, but here in the South, we're really good. We're really good. Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. No, you're not. No, you're not. See, that's what I love about northern people or people from other countries is they're going to tell you like it is. They're going to shoot you straight. They're going to be like, no, I'm having, a, I'm having a really bad day, Jimmy. But you know what? Things are going to get better. Praise the Lord. It, it, I'm learning something from it. Like they're, they're going to be honest with you. They're going to shoot you straight. Here in the South, we have a tendency just to go, you know what, man? I'm doing good. But as a body of Christ, especially people in this room, man, please know just from my perspective, hey, it's okay for you to look at me and go, I'm not doing, doing great. Well, hey, how can I pray for you? And not being like, not being typical cliche Christian or whatever, when I, like if you tell me, hey, I'm not doing good, hey, I want to pray for you. I have, a, I have a note app in my phone that I've started to burn a hole in because I, I'm bad about remembering things. And so I will put it in that note app on my to-do list and if, if we have an encounter like that, I will put your name down and I will pray for you. That's genuine affection being demonstrated. That I love you, that I care for you, that I, that I want to pray for you, whether you're going through good times or whether you're going through bad times. Paul's telling us this. And then 1 Corinthians 10, 24. Going back to this genuine affection, this not being jealous, not being boastful, but truly demonstrating love. 1 Corinthians 10, 24 tells us this. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Just process that for a second. Even as just New Life Baptist Fellowship, if we were sitting here just seeking and loving and seeking out the good of the people that we encounter every day. That because of the fact, the simple fact that you were made in the image of God, Genesis 126 and 27, Imago Dei, if you were made in the image of God, I should want the good for you. I, sh I should want this to, to be lived out in your life. I, I, should, I should not just seek out my own good or just want my own good. I would want the good for you too as a brother or sister in Christ. No matter what. Yeah, that may mean a 10 o'clock phone call that lasts till midnight. That may mean you have a conversation with a student that goes to 2 o'clock in the morning because they're going through a crisis. That may mean you have to stand in a hospital hallway till 4 o'clock in the morning because a crisis that just happened with a child within a family. 
That's love acting, that, that's leading with love, that's acting out in love. Let's get on to verse 8. Because, see, this is where, uh, now that Paul has kind of addressed love and what love is, he's going to kind of crack down on, on the, the misuse of the gifts and, and kind of put them in their place on this. He says this in verse 8, he says, Prophesying and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. That's the New Living Translation. The, the, uh, the ESV says this, Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. And as for knowledge, it will pass away. There are different perspectives on this passage of Scripture right here, depending on what uh, commentary you look at. I want to keep focus on the main thing, though. Because what he focuses, is on, focuses on here is, is this concept. As a child, and even when he goes in, into later, in, into verses 9 and 10, but, but he talks about this concept. As a child, there was one toy that my mom knew she could always pack me and I would be completely content. See, I didn't have game systems that I could carry with me or, or phones or tablets or anything like that. Um, I had to play with Hot Wheels in the back of my mom's 1982 Cutlass Calais two-door 302 engine. That was our family car. Um, if y'all know what I'm talking about, that's not a family car. Um, <clears throat> but I, I would and, and <laughs> grab this concept too. I, I would take a handful of Hot Wheels. I had a carrying case for my Hot Wheels, right? Y'all remember the carrying case that had the snap buttons on the back and there was a slot for each car and you could pick out like 24 cars to take with you. And I thought that was the coolest thing because I had all my Hot Wheels. I could put all my favorite cars right there. And, and ironically, I had this bad habit and see the black thing. If anybody knows y'all, knows me, I love the color black. Um, I successfully took a Sharpie marker to every Hot Wheel that I owned and painted in black. So that... that so it was, it was really, it's an issue really all early on with me. But I thought it was the coolest thing to be able to put those Hot Wheels in that carrying case and, and grab this too, which is, what in the world were we thinking? We would go to my grandmother's house. She lived in Nashville, North Carolina, and my dad would bebop up I-26. And what would I be doing? I'd be on my knees in the back seat, leaning over into the back window because there was a little plat, like a little flat area in the back window, out of a seatbelt, my dad flying down 26 at 70 miles an hour, playing with my Hot Wheels, thinking life was grand. We were listening to Alabama and life was good. We were going to see grandma and I was playing with my Hot Wheels in the back seat of the car. What in the world? If that happened today, parents would get arrested and thrown into jail. But, but I, I, like it blows my mind how much safety standards have changed over the past. Anyway, my Hot Wheels I still have. If we go into my garage to this day, I have a Pepsi crate. Sorry if you are an employee of Pepsi. Yes, it is a crate that my dad my dad stole. Um, my dad uh, <coughs> was given. <coughs> excuse me, not stole. Uh, <coughs> anyway, uh, he stole. Anyway, uh, it, it it is full of probably 150 200 Hot Wheels. Yes, all painted black. Um, <laughs> that's the second rock song reference that I have hit today. So I'm, I'm doing good for the band, right? Y'all are loving me because Huey Lewis in the news and now paint it black. Um, but 
all of them were, were painted black. And if I were to go into my garage today, y'all would think it'd be something weird if y'all saw it now all the time. Now, I know they're enthusiasts and there's collections and those things. But if y'all saw me as a pastor of this church or whatever, playing with Hot Wheels all the time, like that's what I lived to do. It's fun to be nostalgic. I'll give you that ground. But those Hot Wheels are no longer useful to me. I'm excited. We, we let my son open up his first little Hot Wheel this, this morning, actually, ironically. We bought a race truck a couple weeks back, and he, he found it, and he opened it. He like wanted to open it up, and so we opened it up. Um, but those Hot Wheels are of no use to me anymore. So in a similar way, the things that we want to get up in arms about, as far as whatever, they will not... <laughs> They will not be useful one day. Why do I say that? Because Scripture says that. But what will matter is the lasting stance of agapo, godly love. Verses 9 through 10 says this. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. This is the New Living Translation. Our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only a part of the whole picture. Grab that. Even the gifts reveal only part of the whole picture. But when the time comes of perfection, or, or the, when the, but when the time of perfection comes, these partial gifts will become useless. ESV says, for we know in every part and we prophesy in part, but when, when the perfection comes, when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. If any of y'all have ever looked in on a digital image, things that make up a digital image called pixels, this is kind of the equivalent of what Paul's talking about right here. We are zoomed in, focusing really hard. If we're making things about the gifts super hard like priority and not love we're zoomed in on that pixel we're zoomed in on a pixel of that digital image and we're making much of that digital image of that one little color block of a of a pixel but if we zoom out we begin to see the whole picture and these things these these gifts are meant for a purpose and a time but the main thing, the end game here is Christ glorified. And we are to only understand, like this is just a taste, a foretaste of the glory divine. These things will pass away because they're a foretaste. You know how, like, fellas, if y'all are anything like I am, you know, if mama's in the kitchen cooking something, you got to go in there and, and get a little taste. Get a little taste of the spaghetti sauce or something like that. Because it, it, and, and you go, man, that, that, you know, hush puppies or spaghetti sauce or whatever it is, the steak, the fish, the chicken, the whatever, and, you know, you get you a little bite of it and it gives you a little preview, a foretaste of what is to come in lunch or dinner. These gifts, Paul's saying, hey, let's not get caught up too heavy in all this because it's just a foretaste. It's just a preview of what is to come. 
And the perfection that is to come is seen when we are face to face with Jesus Christ. If we are a follower of Christ, if we have surrendered our life, repented of our sin and placed our faith and trust in the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what's going on here. Paul's basically saying it doesn't really matter because it's partial. Y'all are are majoring on the minors here. And what I need y'all to see is that love is the big thing. And he wraps up and he says that in verse, <clears throat> verses 11 through 13. He says this, when I was a child, going back to the Hot Wheels illustration, right? When I was a child, I spoke and thought and re- reasoned like a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Those Hot Wheels are no longer useful to me. Yeah, they're nostalgic. I can look at them and go, oh, I remember that. That was my favorite color changing hot rod or whatever. I remember the track that I had or what, you know. But I put away childish things, and now I see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflection in the mirror. But then, talking about when we are face-to-face with Christ, but then I will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, just a pixel. But then I will know everything. When I stand in front of Jesus, I will know everything, just as God knows me completely. So this has been kind of a crash course, and then he goes crash course through these gifts, and then then he says this. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Love's what makes the book not sound creepy. (laughs) Love is the battery that makes your spiritual gift go. Interesting that it's three things that Paul mentions there. And this is, you know, I I sit and wonder sometimes, like, I I try to be lighthearted about this stuff, but... I don't, I don't think there's a thing as coincidence, and I know that's another topic for another day. But I was thinking about faith, hope, and love right here, but then also I was like, man, my son loves this book so much. I need to get batteries for this book. How many batteries do I need? And so I get, I've got a little cool little toolkit that I have that, that's specifically geared for like things to fix around the house. And I just so happen to have a Phillips head screwdriver, and it's like one of those little bitty screws. <laughs> and um, I unscrewed the cover to the batteries. And I needed three batteries for this book to work. Faith, hope, and love. Love is the greatest. Church, if we're not leading with love in what we do in our ministry to this community, it won't matter the gifts God's given us. Because they won't want to listen to that. Because it'll be nothing but a clanging cymbal, a loud gong, useless noise, and they'll want to do this
follower of Christ, are you leading with love in your life? Not the kumbaya, warm, fuzzy love, but I'm talking about that agapo love, that love that, which is found in God himself. The point in which we reference all other love from. Because if we did not have that reference point, we would not know what love is. Are we leading with love? And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, do you know the love of God I've been talking about today? We go back to that verse, John 3, 16. That's the love that's being demonstrated for God so loved. And he demonstrated it by taking on flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. And through his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, he handled, he handled what was needed to be handled to cover our sin so that we could have a relationship with the one true living God. And through your repentance of sin and placing in faith the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you can know this agapo love. So as the band comes back up and, and prepares to lead us in this time, a couple things. Where's your battery at? If, you're, if you have a battery, if you're, if you're leading with love, if you have a relationship with Jesus and you're, yes, it's cool to want to understand the spiritual gifts, but if we're not understanding them or trying to grab them or, or know them through godly love, we're just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal or just endless, senseless, nonsensical babbling. Useless stuff. And if you don't know what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm going to be standing right here at the corner. And even if you need some prayer, we're here. I'd love to pray with you. Or these altars are going to be open. If you don't, if you don't walk out of here with anything else, understand that for us, to have the to use our spiritual gifts properly we have to have the battery of love in them and we have to lead with that love rather than our gift because that agapo love is what God uses to draw people to him and we get to be a part of the process that's a privilege it's crazy when I start to think about that. These altars are going to be open. If you need to know what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and surrender your life to Him, repenting your sin and place your faith in Him, we'll be down here to show you how you can do that. So as we stand and sing, let this be a time of worship not just in music, but in repentance, confession, whatever you need it to be.